Hello and welcome to the Equality Commission's Women in STEM podcast with me, Rebecca McKinney. Today we're talking to someone whose work is vital all the time, but has been even more valuable during the pandemic. Anyone who's had to work from home or do schoolwork at home or who's relied on online shopping, it's basically me, used Zoom or WhatsApp to keep in touch or streaming services for entertainment during lockdown has used the network that she and her team install and maintain. Marie Admire is the Managing Director of OpenReach, which is the division of BT that maintains the telephone cables, ducts, cabinets and exchanges that connect nearly all homes and businesses in the United Kingdom to the National Broadband and Telephone Network. She leads a team of more than 750 engineers. She's an engineer by background and she's here to talk to us about her own career, but also about some of the opportunities open now to girls and young women in telecommunications. Marie is joining us remotely today you're very welcome how are you I'm very good thank you for having me along it's a pleasure so can you tell us a little bit about your own path into engineering and telecommunications I am not a technical girl so I am all ears to hear about how you got into this if I'm perfectly honest I didn't grow up wanting to be an engineer myself it wasn't the the obvious career path and it wasn't something that was discussed with me probably as options I think like a lot of people I was struggling as a teenager to know what to pick or what to do and from a subject's perspective and it was the fact that my maths teacher suggested engineering to me that opened up that avenue but before that I hadn't even considered engineering but I thought actually I enjoy maths that's a nice fit and it went from there so it was that one conversation with the maths teacher that that set me in this career path. So after graduating from Queen's in Belfast in 2004, you had a master's in electrical and electronic engineering. You were one of only three women doing the course, which is pretty remarkable. How did that feel? Did it make you a bit tentative about the world you were about to step into, the fact that there were only three girls there in the course? I think I knew going into the course that there probably wouldn't be a lot of females in it. And the fact that whenever I decided to study engineering, I received an industrial sponsorship. So I spent a year working with Gallagher's and they put me through an engineering apprenticeship. And I think it was at that age, age 18, that it really hit me because I was in the training center in Balamina and I was one of like 80 or 90 people there, but I was the only female in that group. Um, wow. And it, at, at that age, that's when I really realized that this career choice and we're going to be the minority in it. Um, so by the time that I got to university, I, I had adjusted myself to that. So what proportion is female now, roughly? Has that changed from 2004? Yeah. Um, I was speaking to somebody from Queen's recently and they said it had been on the up after I was there but actually they've noticed over the last few years again decline in numbers so I think it seems to be going through a bit of peaks and troughs at the minute unfortunately I know um, in our workplace we're starting to see a real shift in the dynamic particularly within the management roles it's now about 35 percent female across the management team of the engineering organization and we're starting to see more and more females coming into that frontline engineering roles as well which is fantastic because that means the talent pool is there to move up and progress through the organization organization yeah that's really exciting so in terms of your a-level subject choices in Mm -hmm. order to get in to study at university what do you need to take subject wise to become telecommunications engineer to get into that whole world 
I, I would say it's very much STEM subject related. For me, it was maths and physics. And then I had the oddball in there of English as well. So I was, I was a bit of an odd combination. But it tends to be things like maths, physics, computer science that would be looked for in terms of entry level. So there are obviously barriers that make some women think that a career such as a telecommunications engineer wouldn't be for them. Can you outline the main ones you've identified and what the company is doing to overcome them? I think there's multiple levels probably within that. You have the the barriers of people maybe not considering it as an obvious career choice for them. So we're trying to do a lot of role modeling. We're using female engineers in our adverts and we're doing a lot of shared stories from female engineers within our teams. And we're very much as well rewording our adverts to make sure that people are aware that it is open to everybody to apply because some of the wording from our our old adverts was probably seen as quite restrictive and quite masculine, but also probably quite simple things like looking at the equipment that's made available, the uniforms, making sure that it's in female size and female fit, that um, females are working with other females, see other females as part of the organization, having female trainers within our school. So lots of small things that can make a difference to how people feel when they first apply to come into us or when they're going through that first initial training process as well. So you mentioned things like uniform changing fits and subtle changes Mm -hmm. like that, that actually when you stand back are so obvious, but I'm sure have been real barriers for women like you coming through this field. Tell us a little bit about things like that, that have really made a massive difference whenever they get changed. It's even around uh, ladders was one that was a real eye opener for me. So you just assume a ladder is a ladder and we all use it to climb. But what I hadn't realized is that we use quite heavy duty ladders. But then we have light ladders that we give out to people that are struggling with the physicality of carrying the heavy ladder. But our old process is that we used to wait for somebody to come to us and say, I'm struggling with the heavy ladder. Can I have a light ladder? So simple process changes was then that we brought in both ladders into the training center. And when people were first coming in, we said, choose which ladder you want. They both do the same job. So be you male or female, you can have a light ladder. Be you male or female, you can have the heavy ladder. Just pick whichever you're most comfortable with. But it was things like that processes that we had never queried before because that is just the way it has been done for the last 40 years so it was really trying to challenge ourselves about what are those unintentional barriers that we've been putting in place and trying to get those removed it's so interesting and even the shape of the harnesses that are worn that are maybe more traditionally straight up and down and that's not going to work if you've got curves Exactly, exactly. And some of the females are saying it's really uncomfortable when we're climbing and it doesn't fit our body shape in the right way. So we worked with external suppliers, our chief engineers team did to be able to design a very safe but much more comfortable harness for the female body shape. And again, it was one of those things, the harness had always been shaped that way, but until we started actually talk about it and get feedback of the things that people found difficult or hard within the role, that comes up and you go, actually, we can fix that. If we just decide we want to fix it, we can fix it and make it better. Yeah, it's something so simple that really does make such a positive impact to women in this industry. Now, you came into the job via a degree. Can you tell us a little bit about other alternative routes into engineering work? apprenticeships is one that I'm a massive fan of and it's something that we're seeing much more of across the industry now so at the minute we are in the process of recruiting over 100 apprentices into the team and I think it's a great way to come into the business Um, you come in with a peer group around you you develop that network of contacts but you've also then got an opportunity to progress through the organization as well so if going on to university isn't something that you want to do you can come into an apprenticeship and there's different teams 
years within that apprenticeship where you can do MVQ or you can actually go on to end up doing a university degree sponsored by the company as well. So you can make those choices throughout your career that you don't have to have that idea. I want to study this at university. You can come in, try it out, first of all, and then go on to do your degree afterwards as well. That's amazing. And have more women been actively applying to these open reach apprenticeships? they have which is is great news for us we're starting to see now over 10 percent of females coming through the organization which is not where we wanted to be we really want to shift the dial on that still but if you step back a few years ago we'd have been lucky if we got two to three percent of applicants even to come into our roles being females so we're really starting to see that shift in mindset and actually even during covid we're seeing quite a few females who were in probably more traditional roles and within the hospitality industry and that looking for a career change and now coming into the engineering apprenticeship and it's just so lovely to hear their stories and how they're really enjoying it and really glad that they did make that massive shift say from hospitality to engineering. That's fascinating and when a woman does come into an engineering role what sorts of support systems are there in open reach things like work-life balance affecting different stages of women's lives if they're maybe mums or they're pregnant tell us a little bit about that. We have really great, very up-to-date supportive policies there. And I suppose it's fair to say not just for females in the organization, but also for the men in the organization, because I think the role of fathers has changed a lot over the last few years as well. So we definitely try to work with people, support their um, each everybody's own individual circumstances. And it's very much about making people aware that those support systems and those policies are there to help them. So we've talked an awful lot about engineering being traditionally a really male dominated industry. Have you ever experienced any prejudice or banter that maybe becomes unwanted attention at work because you're a woman? I suppose one of the things that would probably stick in my mind and that's going way back now in terms of when I when I was first uh, graduated from engineering, when it, one of the managers in the company said to me, oh, so we ticked a box when we recruited you. Oh. <gasps> and that just really upset me. And actually, I went home and I spoke to my parents about it. I was quite annoyed. And my dad gave me a little pep talk going, well, if you're going to let this annoy you, you know, you're not going to get too far. So get back in there, believe in yourself and you can do this. But it's one I often thought about over the time in terms of how I would react now if I heard somebody say that, because actually there was another, there was a peer group of people around him at that point who didn't challenge him or push back. Yeah. And it's something I would always like to think that nowadays I would be confident enough to push back on on that person or that my team would also have the right values and the right behaviors to push back on that assumption but it's funny how just a little comment or remark like that when you are quite young and starting out in your career can actually knock your confidence massively um, so I definitely needed the parental pep talk to get back in there the next morning and with the thicker skin and just go right I can do this yeah it could have been so damaging but I wonder what he would say now if he knows that you're top of the tree yeah I don't think that was a box tick or if it was it was a very very impressive box that was ticked at the time look how unbelievably well you've done so tell me a bit about your work-life balance because I'm sure you've got a lot of pressures in your role with open reach tell me how you manage that I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old so I'd say I've become better at actually balance it since the kids have come along because I think they've made me realize my priorities more so I would have been the person that would have been guilty if you know putting the laptop on at seven or eight o'clock in the evening after dinner and just oh, do a few emails whereas now I've got much more disciplined about how I manage my time so when I'm in work I'm in it and I'm 100% dedicated to that 
but I also now value that being able to take the kids to the park in the evening or you know spend the weekend with them and it's just you have to try and get that I, I don't know if it's ever like a an accepted balance but do you know what your compromises are that you're prepared to make because I want to work and I enjoy work as well but I also want to be with my kids and I enjoy that so it's just getting that juggling act as I mentioned before and actually for me I have found benefits out of the the lockdown in itself so I think it's been much more equal I'll call it a gap for females to be able to participate in events attend events because for me I was struggling prior to this you know if there was breakfast meetings I was trying to line up somebody to look after the kids very early in the morning if it was evening events you're going to write babysit or somebody that'll get them ready get them out to school in the morning Whereas now you can dial in virtually to events and yeah, if the kids pop in, they pop in, but that's just the accepted way of life at the minute. But it's really made me think that it's much more equal and easier to attend those events now and participate in things than it would have been in the past. To finish off, can you tell us the very worst and finish on the very best things about your job? I think given the the size of the organization that you have, for me, I think the hardest bit sometimes that you're dealing with is, is probably people issues. So people that you know, say there's a health and safety issue, somebody's had a fall, there's been an accident, or you're trying to manage things that really impact on a personal level across the organization. And we have had things like that happen, just given the scale or the size of, of the team. Um, so I think that's always a hard one. And it's always one that you're having to try and, and, and manage. In terms of the best, I love seeing people coming through the organization. I love getting to know them as apprentices and just watching their career develop. They move through the organization. You see them moving into senior manager roles. And that is the most rewarding feeling is is those relationships and see those people really grow. And I often say to some of them, they will be my boss sometime in the future. And I will, you just see that energy, that enthusiasm and real talent coming through. And I just, I love that. Well, we have loved hearing about your amazing job and the inner workings of OpenReach. Thank you so much for joining us today and outlining engineering opportunities open to girls here in Northern Ireland in telecommunication right now. Thank you and the team for keeping us all so connected. And that's it for this edition of the Equality Commission Women in STEM podcast with me, Rebecca McKinney. Thanks for listening. <laughs>